You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Well, welcome everyone to the first ever news live stream. We've got um, a live episode for you. So hopefully you're joining us on YouTube right now. If you have questions throughout the episode, go ahead and throw them on the comments. We're trying this out today, especially with the, the recent news that came overnight about Sonny Gray's contract, what this means for the Cardinals offseason, because it significantly changes the ceiling they can have as a club if they so choose. And so, um, Andrew, welcome. How's your day been so far? Yeah, um, it's been pretty good. The Sunny Gray news um, definitely caught us off guard a little bit. Um, we had the Trevor Rosenthal episode. I think that'll come out on Friday now. <laughs> so that, that's going to be really exciting for to, to share with everybody. But um, yeah, um, Sunny Gray, definitely a step in the right direction. Kyle Gibson and Lance Land didn't do much for me. Sunny Gray is doing a lot more for me um, than mm. uh, otherwise um, just with those two. I still think there's a lot more room to go. I don't like the rotation as is currently constructed. I know Sandy and, and you talked about that a lot the other day and yeah. Sandy's really excited for Sonny Gray um, to be a part of our rotation. I'm a little less high on Sonny Gray. I still like him a lot, but I think he would be much better suited as our second starter. Um, mm -hmm. And with the contract detail, Sonny Gray's only making $10 million next year, which is really, really good yes. um, for us. I've heard a lot of different theories as to like why that's happening. I think Goldschmidt's contract coming up um, at the end of the season is a potential reason we're probably going to sign him back for, for less money on a team-friendly extension. So that makes sense for the future. But um, it definitely gives us more money to spend next offseason. Um, and we'll see going to the winter meetings what that means if we're going to make a trade for Tyler Glass now. I still really want Yamamoto to headline the rotation. I thought – after the Sonny Gray signing that we still really needed to learn from the mistake that signing a big time starting pitcher for a long term deal is something that the Cardinals still need to do. Um, and that's something that they haven't really done. And um, hopefully they can do that. I don't really want Blake Snell. I think Yamamoto is my go to guy. Mm. Uh, so I guess we'll see. Yeah, you mentioned uh, again, this is the news off the top of the day or top of last night. Um, it's not really like nothing changed. It's just we got new information what the contract for Sonny Gray came out as. And it's a backloaded deal. So and Sonny Gray, if you haven't heard already, is going to make $10 million in 2024, $25 million in 2025, and then set to make $35 million in 2026 with a club option for $30 million in 2027. And so as Andrew kind of alluded to here, there is a lot of different directions they could go. Real quick, I wanted to give a shout out to Michael, Zach, John. Talik, thanks for joining us in here, guys. Throw some questions in as we're going through. We're going to go ahead and just kind of riff on the news so far, but we'll we'll jump into some comments as the chat's going. But um, as Andrew was saying, we don't really know what the direction is the Cardinals are going to go yet. Um, there hasn't been a lot of reporting outside of that initial report on the contract so far, so I'm curious to see what some of like Derek Gold, Kitty Wu, Jeff Jones, John Denton, any of those people will weigh in soon about what this means. Um but even before we got the news about Sonny Gray's contract, we were getting word um, from sources around baseball that the Cardinals were not done. They were going to be continue to be active. They're continued to be aggressive 
um, following the Sonny Gray signing. And the fact that he's only going to be at $10 million in 2024 opens up the potential for what this could be. So there's a lot of debate about what the budget room is for the Cardinals right now. Um, I project it somewhere between 25 and $30 million right now before they were to even move a Dylan Carlson or a Tyler O'Neill. So they have budget room to move and to work. And so as you alluded to, um, Andrew, it could be just to offset some salary because they know they're going to have to um, pay or Goldschmidt's coming off the books next year. They're going to have to start paying guys again. Um, it could be to go after a top end arm. I would probably lean toward the trade market of being where that would come from and a la Tyler Glass now, um, Dylan Cease. And then especially if it was someone like Cease, it leaves them a lot of room still to go get bullpen acquisitions. Uh, it could be just to go heavy at the bullpen. Um, I'm seeing, and I, I again, this is pure speculation right now. I'm seeing the Juan Soto stuff pop up again, which I think there's some legs to that. Not legs in terms of real reporting yet, but legs in terms of that makes a little bit of sense. We could talk about that. Um, or there's another scenario too, where the Cardinals just go into 2024 and they're, they're, they're going to get bullpen arms. Like we, we already know that we just don't know what they are yet. Um, but they could approach this off season, get those two bullpen arms and then know that they now have money to work with at the trade deadline. So they patch it together. The, the rotation and lineup and uh, revamp bullpen should get them into contention by July. And then they can make a deal at the deadline to acquire whatever that need is. Um, so there's a lot of different directions they could go with it. I think um, we're already getting some questions about what directions they could go with it. Maybe off the top, um, Andrew, what do you think, just off the top of your head right now, what do you think is the direction they go with now that they have this extra $15 million of flexibility? Do you think they're more so just saving money in this year? Or do you think it's to go after a Yamamoto? Is it to go make a trade? Is it to make significant bullpen acquisitions? What do you think? Yeah, I, I don't think they're done making moves. Obviously, we um, talked about that um, on the last episode in depth. I really, really hope they go after Yamamoto. Blake Snell, also somebody I feel like we could be talking about. I think there were early in the offseason, Blake Snell um, was linked to the Cardinals and he like asked about what it's like to play for the team and he was really interested in that. So that was yeah. good. I don't know if I'm interested in Blake Snell. Um, sorry, but um, it's not. <laughs> Um, not really somebody that I think he reminds me a lot of Robbie Ray before he signed with the Mariners. Um, and mm. I think that's not, that, that's not a good sign. He won a Cy Young award right before, um, a contract year. And like Blake Snell, it's just kind of, I don't know, uh, not, not somebody I'm too, I'm too enthused by. So, I mean, if we go out and sign someone, that'd be really awesome. I do think that you're right though. And this kind of does set the stage for Tyler Glass now. Do I like it? Yes, I do. But that just kind of makes it so that we kind of have to go through this again next offseason, um, which yeah. isn't ideal. Like, we'll we'll have Sonny Gray. We'll have Steven Matz for another year. We'll have Miles Michaelis for another year. But then we'll have two more rotation spots to fill. Yeah. Um, hopefully the internal options with Tin Kens, Graceffo, um, Roby, those guys come up. And they make an impact next at the end of next season, and then in spring they can prove themselves the following year. But I also really like next year's free uh, free agent class for pitchers. I think Garrett Cole has an opt out. Corbin Burns is a free agent. Brandon Woodruff. We don't really know what's going on with him, but Walker Buehler. There's just a lot of guys that we can go after next offseason. I don't really want to yeah. do that. It kind of stresses me out to have to think about oh we're going to go after pitching because if you think about that, if we're going to go even a year further, which I don't really 
know how, how far in advance we're thinking, but then Michael is, expires. Matt's his deal is done. Yeah. And then Sonny Gray has like one year left with another um, club option year after that. So like, it, I really want someone to headline a rotation that's going to be here for a long time. Mm. And we got some questions on if we think they'll they'll just go after Yamamoto. Yeah, I think he's being linked to the Yankees a lot right now, which is good because I think his agent wasn't really that happy with what the Yankees had to say about Stanton. Um, and he wanted Stanton to come to St. Louis and he's spoken highly of St. Louis. So if he's listening closely to his agent, then yeah, that's good. Um, but the Yankees did give, uh, they reserved their number 18, which is a big, a big deal. That number is a big deal in Japan. Um, they, they left that, um, they didn't give it out to any of their rookies last year. Um, they had a lot of top yeah. prospects come up. They could have given it to one of them. The Cardinals, we, we did give it to Jordan Walker, um, which is, I mean, Jordan Walker is great, but um, I mean, if Yamamoto comes and he's like, he's moving off the number, <laughs> number 18, like, sorry, Jordan, but um, uh, yeah, we need that pitching. Um, so mm-hmm. I feel like he can go back to, I, I think he wore number 22 in AAA and Jack Flaherty's not on the team anymore. So yeah, um, we'll just give him that. Um, but yeah. We're, we're, yeah, we're getting some more questions on bullpen arms. Yeah, um, let me jump in on the Yamamoto. Was the name. Oh, Yep. Oh, I was going to, real quick before you go bullpen, I'm going to jump in the, on the Yamamoto side of things. Um, I think it's interesting that it hasn't been shot down by anyone really yet. Like, there's been a lot of comments. And again, this is not me saying they're going to get Yamamoto. I think this is just saying that they're going to continue to check in on him because you d- we don't really know what's going to happen in this market. And again, this financial flexibility, it makes it really, really tight at the very best until they trade an O'Neill to make a Yamamoto work. But you can start to see how that potentially happens. But um, I think it's interesting, Katie Wu, um, people were citing her the other day saying that the Cardinals are for sure out on Yamamoto and that she quickly fired back was like, nope, that's I did not say that. And then today she even indicated that she started to change her tone a little bit about the Cardinals adding more to the rotation. Now, I don't think that means the Cardinals are going to do that. I think I see a comment in here about John Denton being pretty... Um, yeah, um, on the Michael or Michael or cheese Bernie show saying that um, that they're pretty strongly going to be done with the rotation upgrades. I just don't think that's like for sure true. I actually think what's happening now is the Cardinals have opened up their options. They're going into the winter meetings with their needs already met. They have their front one of their front line guys and they have the back end depth of at the rotation so now they can go in to a yamamoto negotiations and they don't have to make the deal happen because they already have options in play they can go approach the raise about tyler glass now and they can make a deal if it makes sense but if it doesn't make sense they can walk away from the table same with the dylan cease same with logan gilbert same with the marlins arms same with whoever x pitcher you want to throw in there the cardinals now have leverage in negotiation so I think they're open to a lot of things. I think they're open to significantly upgrading the bullpen and making that the focus. I think they're open to adding a couple of bullpen arms and adding a a starter. I think they're open to waiting this out till the deadline. I think they're going to go after a lot of things. The thing I will say, I'm going to throw up the comment now. It's, uh, thanks, Dad. I agree with you on this one. Um, Tyler Glass now and a focus on the bullpen help, I think, is the most realistic primary option. Um, I did a little bit of this on Twitter uh, last night, um, so you can go look at my thread on this. But uh, early on in the offseason, the Cardinals wrote, uh, reported interest in Sunday Gray was strong, and the volume was strong. And um, John Mozilla has publicly commented, and now it's been sourced by someone like Derek Gold, that they pretty much only explored the free agent market to start the offseason. 
Um, they got their arms and now they're going into the winter meetings and going to investigate trades now. So they haven't looked at glass now. They haven't really looked at seas and said we're out of those markets. They've actually waited to entertain those ideas. So and then um, something else that um, Gould has reported really early on in the offseason is the Cardinals have planned on if the uh, Rays were going to let glass now be available. They were very interested in having talks of that. And so I think this all kind of points to they have covered their needs before the Roner meeting. So now they get to go into all these conversations with other general managers, other agents, have their needs met, and now they can go after those wants. So they're not forced to any moves. I don't think they're tied. I don't think they're tied to Yamamoto. I don't think they're tied to the idea of glass now. I think they're waiting out to see what the best possible options are. So that's kind of where I stand on it right now. I really think Tyler Glass now makes a ton of sense. You now have that rotation certainty with Sonny Gray. Gibson, Michaelis, and uh, Lynn. So now you can afford to have an injury risk like Tyler Glass on your rotation. And what it does is it significantly raises the ceiling of this team. Their moves so far this offseason have made them a low from a low 70 win team last year to should be a low 80s win team, maybe a mid 80s win team, sneak into the playoffs if things break your way, trade deadline upgrades gets you to the playoffs. What Glass now does or a Yamamoto, but a glass now feels more realistic, is he raises the ceiling of now you could be a team that low 90 wins. And when you get to the postseason, you've got glass now, gray, and you've got one of the best lineups in baseball. That's a dangerous team. So that's why I just think glass now makes so much sense. Um, but yeah, the comments are flying in. So guys, uh, we're, we're going to try and get to as many of them as we can. Thank you for throwing these in. Um, I think you were going to go to the... Uh, um, Adovino comment next before I jumped in there, Andrew. Yeah, so um, a lot of bullpen talk. I, I do think the bullpen needs help, obviously. Um, we have three guys at the top of the bullpen that I, I, I'm i comfortable with, Ryan Helsley and Jojo Romero. I think top righty, top lefty. Helsley's going to close on most days, but we know how he is. Um, yeah. I saw a comment earlier about Josh Hader. Um, I would be interested in that potentially i think that's not in the budget at all to pay a reliever as much as we would have to pay josh Hader. and also josh Hader is kind of like left-handed ryan helsley he uh, i think last year was adamant um the padres still hadn't been eliminated from postseason contention yet but he was telling the manager like hey i can't um i can't throw on a day um or i can't get a four-inning save and he hasn't gotten a four-inning save in a long time um so i think that's pretty much off the table and he's the top uh, reliever on the market for sure. I'm going to pull up Adam Ottavino's um, baseball reference page. He was pretty solid last year with the Mets. Uh, 3.21 ERA. He got 12 saves for them. So I think he was closing games for them at some point during the season. 4.52 FIP really concerns me. Um, that means mm -hmm. he got really lucky um, and FIP is often a projection of how your future numbers are going to look. So yeah. you might have to overpay a little bit for someone who's not going to be that great, not going to throw that many high leverage innings. Also concerning that he's 38 years old. Um, I I don't really want to bring in more more old guys um, for this <laughs> pitching staff. Um, I mean, Kyle Gibson, Lance Lynn, Sonny Gray's even like 34. Miles Michaelis is aging. So I, I'd rather have a couple more young guys. Yuki Matsui, I haven't heard that in the chat yet, but that's a guy that we've been linked to, and I really like him. Um, I feel like yep. he could be a, a good seventh or eighth inning starter. Um, we always need lefties. Jojo Romero is kind of the only lefty right now other than like Thompson, who might be a swing man. I don't really know what we're doing with Thompson right now. But, um, yeah, yeah. We, need an, we probably do need another lefty, and I don't think it's going to be Andre Pallante, who we have been using as a quasi-lefty <laughs> in the past. Um, I don't, I'm not comfortable yeah. with that at all. 
Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. I'm going to throw, yeah, like you said, JoJo, John King, maybe Zach Thompson at that point, the lefty depth's kind of thin. Uh, I they did try Libertor at the end, and I think they have heard they've liked the results they got from Libertor there, so maybe he's an option. Um, let's keep on the bullpen talk for a little bit. I'm seeing a lot of questions about how the Glassnow trade could look or if the long-term signings. We'll get back into Glassnow in a little bit here, but since we're in the bullpen, let's keep with it for a few minutes. Um, Liam Hendricks as a potential bullpen option, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, Andrew, I agree with your point that I don't want them just continuously adding a bunch of aging arms, even if it's to the bullpen now, but I do think there is an argument for getting a veteran presence at the back end of the um, bullpen. Giovanni Gallegos is probably the most veteran of the group right now. And that's a great option. But outside of that, it's Helsley, it's Jojo, it's Thompson, it's whoever else they're going to fit into that fold. So I think having a guy that has closing experience in the past, like Liam Hendricks makes a lot of sense because we know how Ali Marmol likes to run his uh, bullpen. He'll pull Helsley out there in the seventh inning or eighth inning um, if it's a big spot. And I think there is something to be said about the pressure of the ninth, even if it's seven, eight, nine. It's just closing the game. And so having a guy like Liam Hendricks who has experience doing that would make a lot of sense. Um, and then also, as Andrew noted too, um, when he was talking about Josh Hader, there is concerns with Helsley about whether or not he can go two days in a row, if he can be consistently reliable. Um, or consistently available. And so having more guys that you trust to close out games makes a lot of sense. I expect Giovanni Gallegos to bounce back a little bit next year. I expect JoJo to be in the fold, but also bullpens are one of the most volatile groups in all of baseball. You can have a top bullpen one year, and then those guys can all flop the next year. Um, one name I haven't seen in the chat yet, um, if I if it is in here, uh, sorry, I've missed it, is Phil Mayton. Um, he is someone that's been directly linked to the Cardinals already. Um, you can check Derek Gold's one of his recent stories has that. I believe Mayton lives in Southern Illinois, so he's uh, around the St. Louis area, and it's something they've already checked in on. Um, he was with Houston this past year with a three ERA and 66 appearances. Um, so he's a guy that has experience pitching in high level situations. He's been with Houston in the last three years, and so he's got experience being on a contender. Um, Again, he's not a flashy name, but I don't think the Cardinals necessarily need a flashy name to add to their bullpen. I just think they need more depth there because I think that was mainly the problem is obviously you want as many high-end arms as you can at the back of the bullpen, but what was hard was when Helsley wasn't available, then it's like you had Geo and then you had who? Or you had JoJo and who? Like It just felt like you only had one or two arms you could rely on at any point in the season last year. And so just having a plethora of options in the bullpen so that you can't <laughs> shoot the wave. Um, so just have plethora of options so that when guys need rest or when guys are inevitably on the injured list, then you have other guys you can rely on. So I would rather them get three cons three pretty good options or three nice options than to go all in a one arm because, again, that guy could have a down year that you could get injured and then you're kind of stuck again. I'd rather have a lot of different options rolling there. Um, I believe, oh, yeah, Joe Kelly is yeah, another I'll, one I've seen out there. Oh, yeah. I'll hit on real quick. Liam Hendricks underwent Tommy John surgery last August, so um, he won't be ready yeah. for the season, um, and he probably won't pitch until, like, August, September. Um, I really like him as a player, as a personality. I feel like that's great um, if if he does want to come, come in down the stretch, but he won't be an option early in the season. I mean, Trevor Rosenthal could be a guy that we, we call I was about to say. Yeah, you'll have to check out our episode um, with Trevor when it drops. I, I messaged him the other day and I was like, man, I feel bad. We just keep pushing it back because we have all this news to cover. Um, but 
yeah, he, I'm just going to say, it, I think he's interested. So John Mozela, call Trevor Rosenthal if you want some support for the end of the season. Um, but yeah, good call on the on the Tommy John. Um, Joe Kelly, that's a great buy low option, I think, assuming he's not going to get a lot because he kind of struggled last year. I love the idea, speaking of getting the band back together, of Shelby <laughs> Miller. He... Um, <laughs> You don't you don't want Shelby? He was one I of mean, my no, favorite. Oh bringing back all of these like we're just gonna bring back the 2014 rotation or whatever with Shelby Miller and Joe <laughs> Kelly. Like I don't it know. would be <laughs> incredible to have Lynn start a game and then uh, Miller and Kelly and Rosenthal come in in relief and it's like 2024. Um, yeah. But I think Miller like he had a sub two year array this last year. He's a with the Dodgers and B he was outperforming his metrics a little bit. So you. You're not expecting him to be an elite reliever. He doesn't have an elite K rate. I think it's in like the nines as a reliever, which is fine. Um, but again, I just I like the idea of getting a lot of those low low cost free agents to bring into the bullpen, and knowing that a few of those will probably hit, rather than investing all of the money in a Josh Hader and it going poorly, and then you've just wasted twenty million there. You've wasted, you've done another Brett Cecil type type deal. Um, Will Smith. Like Will Smith. Yeah. Will Smith has won three World Series in a row, so why not make it four? <laughs> oh, man. I feel like there's a guy. He's like the Robert Horry of uh, um, MLB, where Robert Horry played for like three different teams that won a championship, but like he never was like an important player on it. Will Smith's pretty good, though. Um, yeah. I think uh, I'm trying to see if there's any more bullpen options that people are throwing out there. Um, I, I don't know if anyone off the top of your head comes to mind. Andrew of other Hector Neris is another option I'm seeing thrown out there right now. Um, is there anyone like free agent or maybe even trade that you would think the Cardinals could be targeting or. I like um, James Karinchak. Um, that's a guy that we've yeah. talked about. Probably get him for like a Tyler O'Neill or something, cut some payroll, get a, a high leverage rotation or bullpen arm, not rotation. Um, also, I mean, I've been told that the angels are going to contend next year. I don't know why, because they're not getting Shohei <laughs> back. And Mike Trout's only getting older, and Rendon is going to get hurt again. But um, if the Angels do have a change of heart and they want to rebuild, uh, Carlos Estevez is a guy that I really like over there. Um, he had some ups and downs throughout the season, but he was an all-star. Second half wasn't amazing for him, um, but pitching goes to Anaheim, and it dies. So um, hopefully um, – He's a guy that I really like. Um, he's played for the Rockies and he's played for the Angels, two teams that don't handle pitching well at all. Um, yeah. So I feel like his ceiling is still untapped. Yeah, um, we can continue the bullpen stuff as it goes through. One more thing that we can address before maybe we talk more about Glass now or talk about some of these other options that on the starting um, rotation mark. Um, are there any uh, potential bench or utility players you could see the Cardinals going after? Um, just from my perspective here, I do not think they're going to be adding position players right now. Now, again, Taylor I Motter. really think their options. Oh, what was that? Taylor Motter, bring him home. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe Taylor Motter will get a spring training invite. Um, I do think because the Cardinals options are so wide open right now, like I don't think they trade Tommy Edmond, but if they entertained it and if they pulled off a move that included Tommy Edmond, I would definitely see them in the market for someone who can play shortstop um, because that is a lot of eggs to put in the Mason Wynn basket. If he's the only guy in on the roster that can really handle it on a daily basis, like Brendan Donovan can fill in there, but 
he's not a shortstop. And then Thomas Ajayi, you hope can be there, but he's more of a second baseman, third baseman mold. And again, you probably aren't going to be relying on Thomas Ajayi every day at this point. You got to see more from him, even though I love him. So um, I think there could be some depth brought in depending on which uh, position players are moved on from. But I, right at this moment, there's just too many guys on the roster so even if they thin that out i don't really think they need to add position players do you agree disagree with that andrew yeah i think right now the whole thing is that we have a wealth of position player talent like our bench right now probably be like alec burleson um luke and baker thomas to jc i feel like should get a shot at, at the bench i don't know how much we, we we're valuing him i know a lot of our top prospects we, we only call them up when we let them start um, I feel like uh, what's that guy's name? I forgot his name. This is bad. Uh, that um, prospect who hits like forty home runs a year, and we just never call him. Oh, up. Moises Gomez. Yeah, Moises Gomez. I feel like yeah. we should give him a shot because he reminds me a lot of Adelis Garcia, and I feel like mm. if you let him go, the Royals or the A's or the Rockies are going to pick him up, and he's going to win ALCS MVP in like five years. So I don't know. We yeah. should we should let him play for a little bit at least. I feel like we have plenty of options down in the minor leagues that we can call upon. Yeah, the one thing I would say about Moises compared to like Adolis Garcia is like Adolis went to Texas and then got DFA'd by them later yeah. on too because like he just wasn't figuring it out. And so yeah. obviously like Moises could turn it around. He's got real flaws in his game right now. He strikes out way too much to be a productive major league baseball player right now. Can he be a major league baseball player? Yeah, he could play on a roster, just not the Cardinals roster right now, probably. But I like the idea of giving him a shot at least, or if you're not going to see if another team takes him. But at this point, I think he carries very little value. And it would take like, like part of the reason the Garcia story is so amazing is that he genuinely turned from a throwaway prospect into a great player. And so that requires a lot on Gomez's part to like turn things around, but that could happen for sure. Um, I'm going to jump, let's jump back into the glass now stuff real quick. Cause I'm starting to see, I've seen a lot of stuff about what it would take to get him and what, what would be worth it. This is a good, um, conversation started from Jeff here. Glass now only makes sense if Edmund or Donovan aren't involved, no need to trade one of those guys for an injury risk one year guarantee. Um, I, at least I fully agree on the Donovan part. I think I'm a little bit more comfortable trading Tommy Edmund and we can get into that. Um, but I think there's a wide range of opinions from people about at least fans about what it takes to get a Tyler glass now. And I just am of the opinion. And it seems like all of baseball that it's not going to take the moon to get him. Like yeah. I like if they're asking for Brendan Donovan, the Cardinals should hang up the phone immediately. You don't do oh. a deal like that. Um, but I think somewhere in the framework of a Dylan Carlson or Tyler O'Neill or Alec Burleson as an outfield piece for the Rays, um, potentially a Steven Matz in there if the Rays are interested in adding an arm. Now, a real quick sidebar on that. I think people are underrating how valuable Steven Matz actually would be in a trade. He's making just $500,000 more than Kyle Gibson in 2024, and he's a, he's a much better pitcher talent-wise than Kyle Gibson. Part of the reason you pay Gibson is because of the certainty of innings. Um, but if Steven Matz is on the open market right now, people would be trying to sign him, and he would be getting at least what he's getting right now. So, Again, you'd, you're trading for him, so that lessens that value a little bit. You'd rather just give the guy the money, but he he's not a net negative. You don't have to move off his contract or pay his contract. There are so many teams that need pitching right now that at the end of the day, there's going to be a team who wants a Steven Matt. So I so I think the Rays could be that team because they're going to have to replace Glass now at some point, anyways. Um, but if even if he's not including the deal, I would think it's 
one of the outfield, the depth outfield bats. So Carlson, O'Neill, maybe Alec Burleson. And then at most, I'd say at most, Gordon Graceffo is like the top prospect you'd have to give up in a deal like that. But it could be more of like Sam Roberse or Ian Bedell, guys like that. One or two of those. I think it's a pretty thin uh, trade in general because the Rays are not going to eat money. So they're moving off a huge contract. They're, everyone in baseball knows they need to move him. So that already kind of lessens the value. And then the injury risk. Like, there's just a select number of teams that are going to be interested in a guy like that because some teams just can't afford to potentially lose a starter like that for the year and can't give up capital about it. But the Cardinals are in a position now where they can afford to make that kind of trade. Um, so that's kind of where I would see the package going. I actually wouldn't be opposed to giving up Tyler or uh, not Tyler Neal, Tommy Edmund straight up for Tyler Glass now. I think it's an overpay, but I think Edmund is just kind of like, I think he's going to be really expensive here soon. And if he was, he's hitting free agency in two years and I don't really know why the Cardinals would pay him because of all the infield options they have at this point and Victor Scott coming up in center field. So I'm okay moving off him with his value being high. Um, anyways, what do you think about Tyler glass now package? What do you think it's going to take to get glass now in St. Louis? And do you think it's worth it? Yeah, I don't think it's going to be that much. Uh, Tommy Edmond, I feel like is somebody I'd be willing to part with because he's a guy that I want to cut payroll with anyway. And I feel like Mason win hopefully will prove himself in spring. I was actually, when we were talking about bench options, I was going to jokingly suggest we sign Paul DeYoung back, but I forgot that he went to the White Sox, so that's not possible anymore. But, um, <laughs> yeah, um, I I see no reason not to not to part with Tommy Edmond. I think Mason Wynn's going to figure it out. He just has to be slightly below average to not, um, to not be like a detriment in the lineup. Um, and I think a lot of people were mad at Mason Wynn last, last year. You have to remember, he's like, what, 21, 22 years old. He came up at a time when the team was doing really, really badly, um, and I don't really blame him for for not hitting that well. Um, I think he'll figure it out over spring and over the season. Um, I think yeah. people are undervaluing how, how impactful he can be. And if you have a black hole at shortstop, you have a black hole at shortstop. It's not the end of the world. The rest of your lineup is good enough yeah. um, to figure it out. And. I'd be comfortable with it. Uh, Brendan Donovan can even play a little bit of shortstop, have Nolan Gorman at second base, maybe sign a DH. I don't know. Um, but one that pitches yeah. too. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Uh, help, help out that 2025 rotation, you know? Um, but <laughs> I, I really like glass now. I, I'm a little bit less inclined to trade for him. I think because I, I want the Cardinals. They never promised this, but I, I want the Cardinals to, land a pitcher big time when um Mosellock was talking about oh we're making uh we're, we're learning from our mistakes pitching 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 when he was saying all that i kind of figured a little bit of that implied they were going to go out and sign a big big contract with one of the with one of the premier free agent pitchers this offseason aaron nola made a lot of sense that didn't happen um i wasn't that excited for aaron nola but um yeah I don't know. I'm kind of still on the Yamamoto train. Um, people seem to think he's really good. I think he's really good watching him pitch in the WBC and in the Japanese league. I think he seems like one of the more can't miss guys from over there. Um, and I mean, think about it this way, right? Um, we don't know what, what he's going to do, but if, if he say like even a fraction of like what Shohei Otani brings pitching wise and you're paying him like $28 million a year, that's a bargain. Right. So yeah. if, if you think about it that way, um, I think some of the foreign guys get a little bit undervalued. Um, so 
it, it's possible that it ends up being like Yusei Kikuchi. I know Sandy keeps comparing him to Yusei Kikuchi. Yusei Kikuchi was never the pitcher Yamamoto was in Japan, so I don't know mm-hmm. where that comes from. But I think if we get Yamamoto and he's like what we expect, if he's the Kodai Senga, like that's great. And Kodai Senga yeah. didn't sign all that much. I I know Yamamoto is going to get more, but it could be a bargain. Yeah, I mean, I would love for them to still go get Yamamoto. I know we didn't really dive too deep into that. I think, yeah. again, I, I I don't think it's ruled out still. Um, I think they still pursue that market. It just feels like the Mets, the Yankees, the Giants, one of these teams are going to pull off the deal. Um, and at this point, the Cardinals have just locked up money in different ways. I think, again, if we go back and if I could have done this off season, I still wouldn't have signed Lynn and Gibson. I would have spent that money to go get a gray and another top guy, but I don't hate the direction the Cardinals have gone. It's just different than what I would have expected. It's not necessarily the wrong way. It just limits their ceiling a little bit. And I do think even with the sunny gray money being freed up right now, I think it limits the ceiling of what they can do in terms of getting a Yamamoto still. Um, There's a really good question here. I want to throw up uh, in, uh, I think it's a fair point. If we spend big now, um, this is from Missing Parts, how can we pay a Gorman, Herrera, Walker, et cetera, as their contracts begin to come up? Um, it's a great point. And I think there's a few parts to this equation. Um, again, part of the problem the Cardinals need to solve long-term, something they can't solve like this, like they can by signing pitching, but something that they have to organizationally solve in the next few years or else they're going to be perpetually in this state of patching holes is they need to start developing young pitching again because part of the problem is they consistently have to invest so much money into their rotation to make it playable and that's just not do you can't be paying five starters every single year and expect to compete they can do that right now because they have so many controllable young position players but like you said new bar walker um donovan gorman all these guys are going to start making arbitration money which is real money and then they're going to hit free agency in the next, like still a little ways away, but that that's what that day's coming. And so you have to have the ability to spend on those guys. And I'm going to do a quick math real quick here. Um, I believe they are paying almost $60 million to the rotation right now. Um, and, and that's with Sonny Gray only making $10 million this year. And so I think part of the reason, um, that money will be freed up in the near futures. I think the Cardinals do believe that a Gordon Graceffo, a Tink Hentz, a Toko Roby, not necessarily all these guys, but one, two of them or Cooper Jerpy or Ian Bedell or name X pitching prospect are going to be able to fill in some of these number four, number five starter roles. And hopefully they could be a number three, number two or number one. And that saves you 15 million. It saves you another 15 million. It allows you to start moving that money from, paying the back end of the rotation or paying for a mid-tier starter and to begin giving extensions to a new bar or to afford arbitration rages to those guys. Um, you also have Paul Goldschmidt's coming, contract coming off the books after this year, and he probably gets a little bit of a pay decrease after this. Um, in two years, you have Miles Michaelis and Stephen Matz coming off the books. So after 2025, four of the rotation spots that are currently filled are off the books. Um so I think there are there is money that will be freed up soon to be able to pay those guys. Um, but I think it's a really good question because if the Cardinals continue to strike out on their pitching prospects and they can't trust guys in 2024 or 2025 to step up and be in the rotation or 2026 
then yeah, they might have to start making hard decisions on position players because they might not be able to afford to keep them all anymore because they have to keep paying for the rotation. So I think that's a really fair question to ask. Um, and it's I think it's part of the reason that the immediate need is to get those veteran starters in the rotation right now. But p- probably the bigger need as an organization right now is to be better about raising up young talent when it comes to the, uh, the pitching. Andrew, anything you want to add on that? Yeah, that's definitely a concern I have. Um, it's not immediate, as you said, but um, I think that, that's why I only wanted to sign like one of the premier stars. I'm fine with Sonny Gray. Sonny Gray is going to be gone in like three years anyway. I don't know if he's even going to be in baseball at that point because I think he said he wanted to retire within like three to four years. Um, so that's perfectly fine for me. Miles Michaelis' contract will be up. Stephen Matt's contract will be up really soon. Um, but if you look at all the playoff um, teams, they all have like one or two guys that they've locked in long term and they're paying a lot of money. Like you look at the Phillies, they have Wheeler, I think only for another year, but they had him uh, there long term for a long time. The Dodgers, uh, Kershaw's been there forever. They've been paying him a lot. I think they're going to get Otani. So that's going to be another guy at the top of the rotation for many years to come. The Rangers, they just paid like six guys a bunch of money. They're probably going to extend Jordan Montgomery. So like that's. A bunch of a bunch of guys that they're just paying long term. Jacob Degrom didn't even play in the postseason, and they just won the World Series. Um, you look at other teams like the Mets; they didn't make the playoffs, but they tried that with Scherzer, Verlander. Kodai Senga is going to be there for a long time. He's going to be their ace probably for the next couple of years. Um, all of these big playoff teams have a guy that they're paying long term, and we haven't really had that aside from like Adam Wainwright. But we kind of just we, we were kind of doing the same thing with the the Dodgers do with Kershaw. We just pay Kershaw or we pay Wainwright every year. Um, until he retired um, and you just look at all these these top teams like the Yankees have Garrett Cole the Red Sox have yeah. Chris Sale like that didn't go well but um, they're still a team that's always there the Twins had Sonny Gray um, they're gonna have Pablo Lopez probably for another couple of years um, you just look at all these teams the, the Astros had Verlander for a long time they brought him back they traded for him um, you can keep going on and on and on about that so I do think that we need to to lock in another guy long term um, and then not like do the Gibson or, or Lynn or like J-Hap, John Lester kind of deals that we've been doing in the past because it's kind of the same thing every year. Like J-Hap is the same pitcher as, say, like Kyle Gibson. They're just like – they're both like American League journeymen who have been like around every different – all the different teams. They've been an all-star like once. And they're, they're very similar pitchers. And I feel like once we can get out of the rut of we have to grab these guys for innings every every year, then we'll be fine. Yeah, totally. And you made good points that they're like, uh, when I was referring to the fact that they need to be developing young pitching, it's not that they shouldn't be paying any starters. It's just, it's hard to win when you have to keep paying your entire rotation. But like the teams that you reference that are paying like their entire rotation have like top five payrolls in all of baseball, yeah. right? It's the Rangers, it's the Mets, it's the Yankees. And if the Cardinals want to go that route, then sure, you can start paying as many starters as you want. Um, but that's just not sustainable for the market that they, or the, the way they conduct themselves as a market. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. If you could see the, the ticker right now, it's, oh man. Um, unless the DeWitts want to start paying more money then yeah, it's, it's just difficult to continue to fill uh, field a contender, um, at the level they need to, when they have to keep investing. And I also think it makes it harder for them to invest in a top end starter because they they know they have to also pay the number four, the number five, number three, number two starters when you 
have a few rotation options that you can depend on and the depth behind them for injuries, then you can start to pay more money toward top end guy because you have that flexibility. I just don't think in a lot of ways they've had that. Now I'm really glad they were aggressive when after Sonny Gray, I do think he's a top guy and they paid him top guy money, $25 million a year, a like spread out. Obviously it's 10, 25, 35. <laughs> that's, that's not, that's not a small contract. Um, and so it has the potential to be over a hundred million dollar deal if they end up accepting the club option at the end of it. So they finally went and spent big on a starter. Um, so I'm glad that they finally did in that realm, but at the same time, it's just, there's an organizational issue here with starting pitching. I think we've all seen it for a while. Um, they're currently feeling the ramifications of it and it's going to take probably till 2025, 2026 till you start to see if those problems have been fixed at all. Um, because it's not super likely anyone outside of like a Gordon Graceffo makes a large impact this year. But 2025 is when you can maybe see a Teen Cancer to Kobe or Cooper Jerby jump into the mix there. Um, so yeah, there's some there's some stuff to go off of with that. So um, maybe I we can bring up Alec well, Manoa. Yeah. I've seen a lot of um, comments about that. Um, that's somebody that I don't know. I feel like the Blue Jays leadership and like that kind of thing. There, there have been a lot of questions about like the managerial leadership in clubhouse culture. And I like Alec Manoa a lot more now as an option. Now that I've heard what Sonny Gray has, has to say about the rotation. Cause I feel like mm. I mean, if you look at the Blue Jays rotation, they have like Kevin Gossman. I feel like he's not a very fiery guy. They don't have a lot of very fiery guys like Kevin Gossman, Yusei Kikuchi, Jose Barrios, those guys, seem a little bit more more tame, a little bit more quiet. I don't really know what's going on in the clubhouse, obviously, but we've heard things about it that aren't the most positive. And Alec Manoa, I feel like he's had some like work ethic questions. He kind of disappeared from the from the Florida Complex League because he was frustrated. I mean, obviously being sent sent down to the, that league after finishing top three in Scion voting has to be pretty embarrassing for you. But like yeah. I feel like in a rotation with Sonny Gray and Lance Lynn, two guys that are probably going to yell at you if you don't put in the work uh, to try to win. They both hate losing. I feel like they could probably fix Alec Manoa because, um, I mean, you you, you heard what, what Sonny Gray was saying. Like, he hates losing. And he looked like he was just angry the entire press conference. Like, obviously, he wants to be here. But he seems like the kind of guy that's just, like, locked in the whole time. He carries a baseball with him 24-7. So, like, I don't hate it. I wasn't a huge fan of it like a week ago, but um, I feel like Sonny Gray and, and those guys could iron him out a little bit. Yeah, now two year also like even a week ago, if you were hoping to acquire Manoa as the number five starter, well, if he doesn't work out as the number five starter, now you have a, a hole at the number five starter again. At least at this point, Manoa, you're getting and you like I saw Matts for Manoa, which I mean maybe the Blue Jays be interested in that, but I would be more interested in the Dylan Carlson for Manoa or the Tyler O'Neill for Manoa, that kind of thing. Um, because you're taking a position that or a player that you just really don't need anymore and you're trading him for a lottery ticket that could be a top end of the rotation starter. And even if he doesn't get back to his full form, but he's like a number three type starter, that's huge on hit the kind of contract he'll have because uh, he's under team control for a long time. And so I like the idea of taking a risk on someone like that. If it doesn't work out, then you weren't really going to use Tyler O'Neill anywhere. You probably weren't going to maximize Dylan Carlson anyway. So why not capitalize on their value for someone like Manoa? Um, so, yeah, I, I wouldn't hate the idea of it, especially if they end up going heavy bullpen. I still think it'd be nice to bring in another potential high upside starter. Um, or they could go to the free agent market and look at like a Frankie Montas or they could look at a, um, blanking, uh, like a Luis Severino or some guys that are looking to bounce back on one year deals. Um, 
because at this point rotations they just people get hurt it's it's pretty unlikely that by the end of april every single one of the current cardinals five starters will be healthy especially by the time june comes around it just happens every year and so to have guys that can pop into the rotation um would be a great call um another one i think was interesting that people have talked about sorry this is the most recent one i know other people have said it is brandon woodruff um which i'm really curious to see how his market's going to play out um I like the idea of kind of what Glass now got from the Rays um, recently, which was they got paid like ten million dollars in twenty twenty three, I think, maybe maybe even less than that, and then a significant spike this year. Um, I think something like that for Brandon Woodruff could make sense because he's not going to pitch this year, so I would hate to give him a ton of money this year. But if you backload the contract and you're paying him significant dollars in the year that he's actually playing, um, I think Woodruff makes some sense there i just again i think the market's gonna be aggressive i think another club is probably gonna buy low on him or pay and not even buy low actually pay him pretty well um but also he's got that um i forget what the surgery is but the issue that he have his arm is it's pretty it's pretty significant that's something that kills a lot of players careers so i'm not convinced he's gonna be a top end starter when he's back and so I would have a little bit of hesitancy with that. Yeah, I saw a comment earlier. I can't find it right now, but it said Yamamoto is the only guy locking up long term, and I agree with that. I feel like Blake Snell, not a guy that I'm interested in locking up long term. I feel like he will definitely turn into like a Robbie Ray type and get paid a lot more than he should. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Brandon Woodruff kind of strikes me as like the pitcher version of Cody Bellinger. A little bit uh, i feel like he's going to get paid a lot of money um as like kind of a lottery ticket kind of thing and it might work out it might not bellinger worked out really well for the cubs and now someone's going to pay him way too much um to have uh not as good of a season as, as he had this year with chicago but um i don't know brandon woodruff could go somewhere and figure it out get himself a long-term deal i don't really like the yeah. idea of that being here because um i don't think he's going to pitch until like june so um, that's not something I'm, I'm super excited about. Um, but yeah, I don't know if there's any other, um, pitchers that, that we want to talk about. Um, someone mentioned, yeah. Rookie Society, um, with yeah, all the Yamamoto I think that's, talk. that's one of the reasons why I think the Cardinals are going to remain in the talks in Yamamoto. And I think gold actually brought this, this up is that even if they are pretty sure they're not going to get him, you might as well figure out how good your pitch was going to be before you kind of ruled yourself out of the sweepstakes and you figure out how close were you to getting someone like Yamamoto. Because if you're light years away and it's just still clear that St. Louis is not a de destination, they either need to change up their game plan for when a Suzuki hits free agency or they need to just realize that the Japanese market is not going to work out for them and they need to uh, move their resources elsewhere. And so um, I think that's something that they will – they've gotten the back of their minds too. Um, obviously I don't think it's affecting their current moves that much. I think they're focused on the now, but I think Suzaki's a guy that they could be going after at some point. Um, so uh, one other name, and then uh, we're going to have another episode Sunday guys. So we'll, we'll, there's a lot more we can cover here. And obviously the off seasons can be launched. There's a lot of these names that we can get to um, Clark Schmidt. Um, I think the Yankees are still a name you want to continue to keep on your minds as Cardinal fans because of their interest in Alec Burleson um, or Brendan Donovan. I do not see a Brendan Donovan deal happening with the Yankees. They just do not have anything I think that would make the Cardinals want to move off of Brendan Donovan. Um, so if a Juan Soto deal doesn't work out, I could see them 
being heavy players for Alec Burleson or Tyler O'Neill or Dylan Carlson. Even if the Juan Soto deal does work out, they could still do that. Clark Schmidt seems more like someone that'd be in a Juan Soto package rather than an Alec Burleson, Dylan Carlson package. Um, but like the Clayton beaters of the world, some of their AAA arms uh, make a lot of sense. And then one other comment I want to hit on, I've seen it in variety of ways. I'm going to throw this up is about Thomas and JC and Victor Scott. Um, I do think their futures are something the Cardinals are continuing to keep in mind. And it's the reason why they might be open to moving a middle infielder in the case of Sid JC. Um, but then I think with Victor Sp Scott specifically, I do think there's an outside chance he can make the opening day roster. I think outside chance don't bank on it. Um, but I think he's someone they envision being a contributor very soon. And like um, Andrew said about Mason Wynn, Mason Wynn's defense at shortstop is going to be so good that you can really afford to have a below league average bat shortstop with how good the lineup is. With Victor Scott, with how much, like with the 80 grade top end, maybe best base stealer in baseball type potential he has immediately. And then also his elite defense in center field. I think you can survive with a bat not being really good out there. Now, what that does for his development long term might not be good, though. So I don't know. think they're going to try and rush him up there. But I think he's a guy that they have eyes on that they pro they're probably hoping that by August, September next year, Victor Sky is a significant part of this uh, team, whether it's as a fourth out an outfielder that subs in and is, is an important part by that point, or is their center fielder at that point. So um, I think it's part of the reason, again, you see why Dylan Carlson and Tyler O'Neill and Alec Burleson are available. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll continue to monitor that as well. Um, Andrew, any other last points you want to make or things you want to uh, comments you want to make on? Um, otherwise we'll have the Trevor Rosenthal episode coming up and then we also have our uh, episode on Sunday. So. Yeah, I think um, I'm excited. Uh, the gray stuff got me, got me really excited yesterday. Cause I think, I think that's indicative that they're going to go out and grab another starter. I feel like that's definitely that's definitely something that um, is now on the table. Um, but uh, it's kind of like last season with the Wilson Contreras thing being backloaded. Um, I think he made like 10, 15 million uh, last year, yeah. but he's AAV is like 22 or something like that. So they didn't end up going and using that money for anything else. So maybe – Will DeWitt just pockets it and it's like, I'm going to go build another Arby's. I don't, I don't know. Um, hopefully not, but like, <laughs> Can't get the finger up. It would, it would probably, it, it would be very frustrating if, um, if that didn't happen. So, um, mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, my expectation is now that they're going to go out and get another starter. And guess what? John Mozeliak, he can say we have six starting pitchers. I know he's wanted to say that for a long time. And, you know, if he goes out and gets Tyler Glass now, then he can finally say that we have six starting pitchers. And I feel like that <laughs> is the ultimate one. Oh, my gosh. I uh, maybe I don't know. Maybe he'll pull uh, Matthew Libertor, Zach Thompson, or Gersefo as the sixth starter uh, this year. Zach Thompson, I think, applies to or, that more than Dakota Hudson. Or my conspiracy theory is that we're building a six-man rotation for the future. Okay. Okay. The, uh, the the podcast is going off the rails now. Um, well, a couple things again. Links affiliate is in our description. Helps a ton if you're thinking about buying any Cardinals merch, um, Sunny Gray jersey, um, or anything else Cardinal related. Um, click that link and then um, 
shop through there and it helps the, it helps us out a ton and um again cardinals gear is always a fun thing to have going on um again a couple updates for the podcast we'll have our trevor rosenthal episode supposed to be dropping friday as long as nothing crazy happens between now and friday but uh, i don't know with the way the cardinals are tracking right now we might have another emergency pod by then but I think we'll just get the episode out at this point and wait yeah. till Sunday to talk again. So yes, please catch that conversation. It's super fun. Trevor is awesome. We're rooting for him and his, um, his battle back to the major leagues. Um, and he's, he's just got a fun story and he's also a guy that I think the Cardinals could, I don't know, potentially bring to the bullpen. I don't know. Not, not saying, but just saying. Um, so there's that. And then again, we'll be live on Sunday as well. We'll have uh, Sandy back. And so, I'm excited to do that. So thank you for supporting the podcast. Thank you for continuing to keep up with this off season. Um, it's been really cool to see the engagement recently and the podcast is growing. So it helps a ton when you share um, this podcast on social media with your friends, like, and subscribe on YouTube. It helps us out a ton. We just have a lot of big plans for this upcoming year. We're hoping to get some more fun guests on and continue to break down the Cardinals coverage. And so seriously, thank you for everyone who hung around in the chat today. Um, sorry that we couldn't get to all of the questions. The, you guys did an awesome job of spamming. We didn't know how this was going to go. Honestly, I was like, we could have five people in here. Um, and we think we got up to 50 at one point. And so um, this is pretty fun. And so um, thanks for the late notice, too. We didn't really give anyone heads up on that. But we typically record at 2 on Sundays. And so um, if, you're, if we're ever going to go live, that's a pretty typical time to try and think about potentially catching us on YouTube. We might go live more often now. Um, but either way, I've got more content coming out. Um, super thankful for all of you guys. Again, you can check out um, myself, Andrew, and Sandy's coverage over at Redbird Rants. We're consistently pump pumping out content over there. So there's fun stories going on. And then obviously the podcast, we've got stuff going on here. So um, anything else you want to throw out there, Andrew? Yeah, go get your Sunny Gray jerseys. Um, I tried to make one the other day. I'm um, trying to see if you guys could use the, the affiliate link, but um, it's it's kind of blocked right now. Sunny Gray, um, number 54. You're not allowed to make that jersey for the Cardinals right now. Interesting. It's, weird, but, it's um, so yeah, weird that they do stuff like that. Been, I don't know if really you guys fun. can see this. My dad sent this to me. It's a shirt that says Always oh, yeah. Sunny in St. Louis. So I think we need to get that for uh, Sandy. So. We'll figure it out. But yeah, seriously, thanks for joining us, guys. Um, we'll definitely see you Friday for the Trevor Rosenthal podcast and then catch you on Sunday as well. So thanks for joining us.